You're now tuned into the Soma Live on Union and Metro podcast. I am Jern. I am Jer. And I'm Mikey Beats. Soma Live was an all-aged concert hall with two locations in San Diego. First on Union from 88 to 94. Second on Metro from 94 to 99. We're here to share experiences from the best all-ages venue in America's finest city. On this episode, we go over the origins of Germ, Jerry, and I, Mikey Beats, as well as the origins of all three Soma venues. We also go over finding the perfect location for a music venue and the end of the night cleanup. Let's go. The, the problem here, there's only one union person here. Uh, oh. Me and Mikey were not at union. I went to a couple shows there, but never worked there. So Jerem is the man for union. Yeah. 89 to 97. So there'll be, we'll start with that history 80, down there. 89 to 94. Union. Oh, yeah. Then Metro. See, that's the cool thing is I don't remember 90% of these dates. As a matter of fact, sometimes I'll look at a post and, oh, yeah. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> I know they played, but... You know, so all these things, you guys are going to help me bring them back out. And I think we'll, I think we'll help each other bring stuff out. So. I think this is therapy. Oh, oh for yeah. me, it definitely is <laughs> for sure. That's so, a, it's to keep uh, keep the memory alive, mm. our legacies. Well, uh, let's uh, let's introduce ourselves. Uh, who are you, sir? I'm still Germ, um, the guy from the original Soma. 89 to 97. <laughs> the, two, the two original Somos. Um, yeah. What did, what did you do? Uh, well, if we want to jump right into it, fuck, I, um, it started, should I go all the way back? We should say that for another time. So let me just put it, I basically, I had found myself in a position through different people and being an artist to where I was supposed to be another artist doing um, the tapestries for the nightclub because at this point Soma and Union Street had a couple shows and they were on the main stage but they would have a dance club kind of like a gothic thing and then downstairs in the dungeon they could have bands every now and again but Len ended up hearing through one of the guys I was talking to it was John or John John that I had a connection to a band called The Ninth that led into just I was already working on a concept for um, a uh, demo tape sort of thing of local bands. So I was working with Short Lived. I was working with Missing Children, um, Psychic Dykes. Um, there was someone else, uh, the Cal Punks, um, kind of. And I had the very first band about even before getting the opportunity to do Soma, I had talked to uh, Harley Davidson and um, Las Vegas from Deadbolt. So it basically just kind of fell into my lap. And Lamb was like, well, if you book a show, you know, have it down in the dungeon and, you know, I'll pay you. I don't even know if I got paid for the first couple of them, but it kind of I liked it. I was trying to help promote short-lived. Oh, Struggle was the other band. How, how old were you? Um, 21. 21. Yeah. And at that time, wasn't Soma more a dance club? Yeah. So the, the novelty of having the dance club with the band playing down below was really... It wasn't totally explored. It wasn't really known of anything of any relevance. Um, 
There might have been like so you uh, were you were brought in as a bookie to book sh- like specific shows. Like you weren't offered a job, but you you were you just brought in shows in the beginning. It was okay if you can get the ninth. Then why don't you prove to us that you can book a show? Len was like, "You book a show, we'll put it on." And like I said, I I doubted I got paid. So that just kind of morphed into then I booked another one, another one. And then, um, sorry, I just had what's that commercial? <laughs> so it um it just kind of grew. I, I started to get the niche of it, and I started to understand it. And eventually, I would end up coming down there for the shows. And at the time, if you were under eighteen, you had to have someone sign in. So someone would go out with a clipboard, and they would have to check an ID. And mind you, you know, I'm this is completely new to me. I had done why, landscaping at that point. So why did you have to sign in? Uh, the San Diego for the license for the live music, it had to be 18 and up. So the dance, basically the dance permit. Yeah. Okay. And, um, probably, you know, grease some wheels or to get away with what we were doing. But at the time in downtown San Diego, it was, it's nothing like, anything that any of us are used to at all it, it was rough it was gnarly it was oh yeah no I, I remember i went to a couple shows there it was pretty it was pretty scary yeah and that's pre-horton plaza downtown or right when horton plaza was being right built, in the beginning because i remember going there a couple times being like what the hell is this place and clearly before the convention center was downtown um that part again i was 21 so i don't really remember a little bit of the drink. <laughs> um, I'm was, pretty uh, sure it was downtown. Was a sleaze hole, full of oh uh, yeah, prostitutes, uh, jerk off houses, drugs. Yeah, drunken yeah. sailors. Yeah. Hey. yeah. Speaking of great segue. Speaking of drunken <laughs> sailor, uh, who are you? I'm Jerry Rooks, aka Jer DL. Um, I actually got in. Actually, it was a. Uh, uh, James or Jay Edwards, who actually brought me down to a Spazboy. Jay from Spazboy fame right. brought me down and actually introduced me to Jerem, and I started working there when Bad Bad Brains played with the Deftones, mm-hmm. the famous No HR show. Sick. That's that's a christening, right there. Nothing like that had ever really happened. I mean, we've had some things happen, but HR not showing. That was. Talking about, hey, you want to be part of this? That's gotta be that's gotta be <laughs> awkward on the staff. Thrown into the fire. I mean, literally, that night was legendary. He's well, I still remember when we stuck around. So Jay and I going over to the original Soma location, waiting for HR to show up. Uh, but no show. So who knows what happens? Right. And I don't think anybody knows what happened to HR that night. And that's uh that's when Chino got on stage. Chino sang a couple and uh didn't stymie sub society no was a was it daddy long legs um I don't think I was so that would be Damien <laughs> was Damien Damien from Daddy Long Legs actually jump up and sang and he did a pretty good job of course Chino did a good job as well yeah but um uh, but the problem was everybody was there to see HR <laughs> right. So that's when that's uh, you jumped right into the uh, the fire there at so many. That was on Metro Street, 
So, that was on Metro. Yeah. Yes. That so, was back in 95. So to clarify, there were two locations of Soma Live. The first original location was Union Street downtown, uh, and that was 89 to 94. Yeah. And then uh, 95, it opened up on? 94. 94, opened on Metro Street. Yes. Uh, there at the base of Linda Vista. And uh, so you jumped on in 95. Right. Because I started in... Uh, in 95, and we kind of started around the same time, which I'm still a little confused at ex- yeah, the exact you, date. You were there before me, so. That's what you say, and then I, I don't remember the HR show, but maybe I didn't work that show. And yeah, I definitely might know who Bad Brains was. Then. Yeah, you might have not worked that show. So uh, I'm Mikey Beats. At, um, at the time, um, I was 16 years old. So, um, you know, Jerem and Jerry uh, were both um, – uh, Originally, uh, Jeremy was my boss, and I left, and then uh, uh, Jerry became the boss. Um, and uh, basically, I was just a 16 year old kid in the scene. And uh, so, I have a whole different take on everything. And I'm learning stuff now that was happening then that I had no, no idea about. I was a clueless teenager, and talking to you guys has been educational for me. But uh, isn't, isn't that the best being a clueless teenager? That's it, would have been so rad if I was a clueless teenager working in the music biz. Yeah, it would have been awesome. It uh, that's how I started. Looking back, I, that yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome because um, I didn't have to deal with all the bullshit that you guys had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got I got yelled at by Len indirectly. So um, uh, okay, so um, I want I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, um, Jerem, but uh, we got to get back on the uh, um, on in Union Street um, the earlier. Okay. So you you showed up after Soma Live was already Soma Live. It was already open. But it was, it was just Soma. The live was added at some point. Was it was um, it added at Metro? I believe it was added at Metro, or it might have been because in the uh, process of being kicked out of downtown to finding the new place, which eventually we'll get into this because this will get into the California Theater and other places. Len and I would go and scout places. Scottish right. We did the. I remember two shows at the Scottish Rite, but my memory again is like, eh, because one of them, I had the flu so bad, but I was kind of like, you know, hey, if you're going to be part of this, you know, germ, you're fucking working. And I'm like, I have the fucking flu and I need to go mow lawns tomorrow. And But uh, I went and that was... Weird experience because of going from downtown while you're in Thunderdome. I mean, it's punk rock. You know, it's DIY. When I started, I was basically a clueless kid. I had no idea. I was just on a wing and a prayer. like, oh, fuck, this is rad. I started booking all these bands. Oh, I can book all these bands. And I, you know, call up people that I used to listen to or still do and get them to play. So it was really naive. And then by the time we ended up at the Scottish Rights Center... And, I mean, that place is nice. You know, we can't fuck this place up. This isn't punk rock. It was kind of like, you know, it was... It was an it event was, center. It was like for events, right? Like, yeah. But not and, like nice punk rock. Nice floors. And, you know, here's all these people going around looking at all these, you know, it wasn't... By then it wasn't just all about being punk rock. We were We were just musicians. We were artists. We were... San Diego music lovers. And then, you know, people come from L.A. and all over the place to come to our shows. So it was a different vibe. You know, it's like you go into someone's living room and they have plastic on the couches and you're like, okay, we don't sit in here. 
And this was in between the original Soma and Metro. And Metro. So there was a, a space of what, six months to a year? I think uh, it was like nine months or so. Right. Until. Well, what was the reason um, Union closed down? The city wanted to redevelop downtown and they, they were gentrifying. And we were, as far as it was, it's crazy back then. Because they were building that, which is still there across the way. They had these million-dollar condos, this big project that they had in mind. And we were kind of like the sore thumb there. But Caddy Quarter to us was a place where they had um, underprivileged and kind of the rejected kids, you know, maybe foster kids and sort of that. So they would kind of come. And they were trying to figure out a way to clean up downtown but even though we actually made it safer on the weekends because there was all these freaking and back then it was mostly punk rockers but get into that later so we were just we were there and they saw bigger things and we were pushed out like literally i remember that's what really set me in like, okay, we got to do this DIY and we're being pushed out. The man is pushing us out. So the man wanted the prostitutes, the bums, and the punk rockers out. Yeah. And the druggies. Clean it up. Clean yeah. it up. And the drunken sailors. And, yeah. and, you, and you were uh, you were at um, Soma Live on Metro Street uh, when um, that closed down. Why did Soma have to leave? Why did it close? It was uh, – I think it was a deal uh, with something with Golden Voice. Um, I think there there were some issues with the the building having problems. I don't know if there was a rent issue. Um, basically, Paul Tillette just told me uh, they were just going to pull out, and basically that's what happened. And Paul Tillette is he is uh, he was one of the uh, basically I think he's the owner now of uh, of Golden Voice, who actually runs Coachella. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot of confusion at that time. Right. Uh, shoot. So you were there with, with the what is I call the new Soma now, which is actually let me let me take it back. I think yeah, yeah. I think they were losing money mm. at that Soma. I think that's what happened. I think mm. somebody was stealing money. <laughs> I think you need to pound that that beer and let's get the truth here. <laughs> let's let's not. Hey, I was just called into Paul's office saying, "Hey, we're shutting down." So. Right. And he, uh, you know, he, Paul's a cool guy. I'm not going to slam him or, you know, say anything really bad about him because really there's nothing bad to say about him. They're a business. Right. They want to make money. And if they're losing money, I can understand, hey, why are we having this operation in San Diego where we normally don't operate? You know, they're basically an L.A. company. Right. Um, so, hey, let's close this little, this little building down and do shows elsewhere. Pretty much all the stuff that was at Metro Street ended up going to the glass house in Pomona, so which Golden Voice owned. Right, right, right. So you were, uh, so you saw the end. You both saw an end to one venue, and you both played a part in creating the next venue. Exactly, exactly. Jim, you mentioned, um, you know, the California Theater, Scottish Rite Center, in between um, Soma on Metro Street and uh, the uh, Sports Arena location. Were there any shows in between there, or was it just we're turning off the lights here, we're turning on the lights um, there? Well, when Golden Voice still owned it and we're still doing Soma with me, we did shows at the Epicenter, 
Um, we did shows at another venue. I can't remember the name. I don't think it's there anymore. Under Soma Live Presents? Yeah, it was Under Soma Live Present. Actually, we did shows at the O'Brien Pavilion as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And then so eventually, um, uh, now, now it came back around. Um, from my understanding, Golden Voice had um, purchased Soma Live from Len. And then Len somehow came back in the picture to create a new Soma? So basically, when... Um, when everything, when Soma died, I'd say, um, I pretty much went back to, to uh, Ventura County and uh, started touring, tour managing. So I ended up out with uh, Papa Roach, and then I was working for Slaves on Dope, um, did Ozfest 2000, and just kind of kept my foot in the door with, with music and trying to do stuff with bands because it's in my blood. I love music, and I, I love bands. I got a lot of friends that are in bands. Um, Mm. And I put the word out I wanted to reopen Soma. And my good friend, Scott Rayner, from Blink-182, the original drummer, he actually said, hey, you know, I made money because of Soma. Let's let's reopen Soma. So in 2002, or actually, take it back, in 2001, we actually started looking uh, for a building. And then Lynn Paul, who was the original founder of Soma, wanted back in, into it and became part of it. So... In 2002, October of 2002, we opened the new Soma on Sports Arena. And that was a, uh, a movie theater, the Man, Man Theater, I believe it was. That, that's correct. And uh, were there any other locations aside from that, or was that just the, that well, was just the one? Well, it's funny because before Lynn was actually involved, me and Scott were actually looking at movie theaters, old movie theaters that were for sale. Well, we actually looked at the one in uh, Mira Mesa. And... Uh, uh, I guess Lynn had connections with um, uh, Ernie Hahn, who owns the sports arena. And that that theater was vacant for many years. Mm -hmm. So I guess he got a pretty good deal on it. And we ended up renovating the place and making what, what it is now. You know, it has a pretty, pretty good size main hall. I think it holds almost 3,000 people. And then you have the uh, side stage, which holds about 500 people. So much bigger from the last two Somas. So you guys were looking at theaters um, from Union to before Metro. You guys mentioned that you're looking at the California Theater, mm -hmm. uh, which is probably going to be demolished within the next couple of years. Um, yeah. But what was it about a theater as a venue that 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 made it? Is it the sight lines? Um. You know, mind you, I'm looking at Jerry. The space. <laughs> space, yeah. yeah. The parking lot. <clears throat> There's yes. a lot that goes into it. I mean, yeah. you really don't want to do a music venue in a, in a neighborhood where the, there's homes. Like, uh, what's the name of the church that's down here that they're doing shows? They're, they were doing shows. They're not doing it anymore. Um, oh, goodness. What's Horizon? The, no, no. It's a, it's a church. It's the middle of a neighborhood. Mm. Uh, it starts with a K. I did a show there with know. the Suicide Machines um, a couple years ago. I'm trying to... I can't even... Oh, no, it's, it's the Arnic, right? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe, yeah, yeah. That's in a that's in a an area where there's homes. You can't have people lingering around the homes right. and with the noise. There's going to be a curfew. There's so many things that goes into the location of a music venue. So rather than mm -hmm. rather than build it from the ground up, these were already theaters. These were already had um, people. Uh, parking and going to these places and whatnot. So that, mm. that helped out a little bit. It, it's a matter of realistically. Now, mind you, when, when I'm going looking with land, I, I would have to learn certain things we're looking for. I'm looking at acoustics. 
I'm looking at, you know, an easy to find place because when you have touring bands, you have someone coming over from Europe who probably has a bus driver that, you know, maybe he's an old country bus driver, but he knows, you know, certain venues. So when the bus driver is trying to find a place, if you want to piss off a band, have the place be hard to find. Because the bus driver is not going to be from your town and they have to get the band there. So you have, there's literally a, a litany of things that you have to go through because you have to be able to be zoned. You have to be permitted. You have to have parking. You have to have space. You have to have room to grow in advance because, you know, when you go, oh, okay, I'm going to do a show. You're not going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to give them $2,000 rent and then I'm going to rent some PA and I'm going to do a show. No, these are, Factors. it's an investment and it's real money. And by the time it got to be like, you know, at the end of Soma, bands were, well, it's one of two things. Number one, they, uh, they deserved more money. It was an, an aspiring music scene because when I had started, there wasn't, really crap i mean there's a few things but when you get on that level where you have touring bands you know you have to pay people because everyone involved with the band needs to get paid as well so it's a big investment you want to find a place that you can hopefully be in and you can work with the city and all the permit people and then the, the cops and fire department and blah 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 and all the things that bore me to death because i'm like screw it just put up a pa and let's have a freaking show but it is a business and, the, and and the other thing is like what jeremy was talking about with the bus driver you know knowing a, like a landmark knowing a good location mm. as a mm. tour manager you also want to have hotels close by you want to have Correct. restaurants um you want to provide stuff for your band that's easy access that's not mm -hmm. super far away because mm -hmm. nobody wants to pull into a city they're not familiar with and then have to try to find all these things. So, so the location is key. Right. And that, so with Metro Street, that's one thing that I, I noticed, you know, bands would, you know, drop the gear off, uh, sound check, and they're like, we're ready to eat. Where do we go? And at Metro Street, there was Cotijan, there was Carl's Jr., Tio Leo's, like all those. Rice places. King. Right. right. Mm -hmm. It was all, it was all Rice within, within a block radius. So Yeah. And laundry up the street. That's a good point. Well, not only that, you had, you had old, old Town, which wasn't very yeah. far away. So, you know, yeah. bands could go hang out there. There's plenty of hotels. Yep. And then close enough to the beach. But right. it was close enough to the freeways. Totally. And, you know, if you're doing a, a – well, you know, touring, you're doing – hopefully it's north, south, east, west. And it's pretty much in a direct sort of line. So we have the five right there and we have the eight right there. So if you're going to go down into Mexico, you know, you got the five, you're perfect. But you get to the eight and then you can get it to whatever or you just go east. And, you know, there wasn't the casinos back then, but you go east and you get into Arizona. And then, you know, so there's a lot of things that, you know, me being now in my early 50s, I'm thinking about going, God, we were just cocky little assholes and we demanded so much. And there is a whole just so much to think about to have a proper well-established venue when you think and you know by the time we were all at uh metro i mean it was 
fairly easy to find, and you could tell that there was parking. You could bring in a bus. It's not like the the face-to-face days when they come into the freaking parking lot. There's a huge dust, and I can hear wheels on the gravel parking lot. I'm like, they better not hit my station wagon. And then I go out, and I see the guys, and we're throwing a quarter on the ground, seeing who could pick it up first, and just all laughing and having good. No, it's like tour buses come in, and, you know, it's professional. At this point, it wasn't just a cheesy little music venue. This was a business, and, you know, it has to be run like a business. But if, but if you also think about it, our Soma, the Somas were pretty cheesy kind of run-down venues. When you compare them to, like, the House of Blues, you know, venues are really nice with really nice dressing rooms. And, yeah. um, you know, especially me being not on the road touring, there's a lot of crappy venues out there. I oh, mean, yeah. CBGB's is hor- was horrible. Yeah, that place you didn't even want to go into the bathroom. So yeah, it made it made Soma look like uh, like the uh, what, what can I compare well, like it to? A, like a Hilton, some fancy uh, hotel. <laughs> yeah. So now they're, I guess we're we're more in the middle as far as venues. Went, yeah. For as niceness and because of the fact that there was, and especially you know in the early days, I didn't have the group around me i really felt like i was flying at the seat of my pant and just waiting for whatever accident's going to happen but by the time i got to metro and then like i have you working i got jerry and you know we all just kind of what i liked about it more than anything was if i hated the bands and mind you i'm opinionated as hell if i hated the bands i didn't want to be there i just I was tired or whatever, whatever reason I have, I know for a fact that, you know, someone's going to cover my ass if I'm being a dick, which, which happens was pretty yeah. much yeah, four or five times a night. I mean, if you, and the thing is too, some of those bands could be annoying as hell. There's yeah. a lot of personalities that we had to deal oh, with yeah. and it wasn't oh, always, yeah. you know, it wasn't always a nice scene, but right. it, you know, it happens. We're all human. We all have our faults and, uh, you know, yeah. No, the thing that was good back then is we all could cover for one another. That's exactly big time. When when yeah. I'm in the back, you know, when I'm checking in a band in the back, and say, you know, I'm just pick some corn. Corn shows up. You know, half the guys are in their cars because they just bought new cars, and then there's a bus. So you know, I'm dealing with all that. I don't even worry about what's going on anywhere else, anywhere in the venue because everyone had their own thing and it wasn't so much of uh you need to be here at this time and you know do this no everyone because we were all in it and that that's what was special we all enjoyed pretty much what we did and again it was because we took pride we liked the music scene Mm -hmm. and and i'm going to clearly define your uh your hate for or not hate you use the word hate when you're describing bands you didn't like um was it hate did you say hate oh i i hate now, there was some serious hate there. You, for a, now, you would hate 99% of the music, mm-hmm. but that hate didn't extend to the bands. There was bands that you didn't like the music at all, but yeah. you were bear hugs friendly with, with these people because you had an honest uh, rapport, relationship. Oh, these yeah. were friends of yours that would show up, yeah. um, which I witnessed, witnessed that a lot. Like, like you say, I would step in if I knew you didn't want to deal with a band. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could just be there and just say, hello, what you up? You got to admit, Mikey, that uh, there's bands you didn't like, but you were friends with the guys in the band. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a, just a few. Like, I didn't really like the hardcore stuff because 
it was just uh, it was just something I couldn't relate to. It's not your style. Mm-hmm. Not my style. Uh, but but being a sixteen year old in the surf skate punk scene, you know all that stuff. I was just all googly eyed the whole time. Yeah. But um, there was some band members that I couldn't freaking stand who oh, yeah. who put themselves above the scene. And that was the stuff that drove me nuts, even well, as I, a kid. I hated egos. I hated yeah. people that thought they were Elitist, above you. Egos. There's right. no need for it. Right. We're all human, you yeah. know. So And that goes into your love of the scene that you mentioned, Jerry, that that you know, we love being we love the scene, we love the mm-hmm. the, the show, the production, putting it together from the beginning to the end, showing up to an empty black venue and leaving that empty black venue at the, at the end of the night and knowing that it was a success or maybe it was a failure, but we knew that it ran good. Yeah. To the best of the ability. Yeah. We were, clean, empty venue in the beginning to a clean, empty venue at the end of the night. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And a parking lot we had to clean. Oh, that's exactly. So when I'm turning off the lights and I'm walking out and I oh, crap, did I do this? And I have to go through the venue. The craziest thing, and, you know, me, Mr. Love everything Halloween and creepy. I'm going through that place, and you could feel it. You know, at times it'd still be sticky, sweaty, nasty. You could smell it. You can smell clove cigarettes and weed, depending on the show. But the stale beer, the and energy was still there. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. It absorbed yeah. into the walls. Yeah. Right. So I would get home. Right. Sometimes I wouldn't even leave the venue until four or five in the morning. We'd be able to clean up the lot. Everyone would go, and I'd still be there with Sammy or whoever, Roger and and, and those guys, and you know, loading out. So sometimes I'm not getting home till four, four, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. So I have my twelve pack, and I start drinking. I'm watching the early morning Bob uh, Bob Vila or whatever, and then I have to be there in a few hours. But it just the buzz and the energy of the place, and it doesn't. I could totally hate everything about the night, but the thing is, we did it. We pulled it off, like you guys are saying, and someone needed to do it. So you really have to be that into it and to put on a good production. You It has to be – yourself has to be taken away from the equation. You just have to do your job because it's not about you. It's about the bands. It's about the people that are coming to see the show. And that's the one thing that a lot of places – you know, it's a hit and miss. And when you have the right chemistry of people, it's 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 a win-win. So, you know, shit will happen. But in reality, so many bands needed a chance to play. And we gave them that chance and we treated them like friends. And, you know, someone asked, I would tell them, yeah, I, I can't stand your music. You know, I'm I'm sitting here listening to the boredoms, finding a beat in it. Going, yeah, and thinking to myself, you know, I need to scream more. And then there's this band that's got the talent through the Wahoo. I don't like their style of music, but they put on a good show. And when I see them, I get giddy. You know, your heart starts, it's like you see a long lost friend or like, it's just, it, it's contagious. And I'm getting chills right now. So someone else needs to talk so I can. Or again. Or again. You know, you, you could totally hate the music, but love the person and always be yeah. giddy because you're seeing that person as yeah. well. So Or road crew. There's some, we'll get into it eventually. There's some road crew that. Our road crews, our sound guys. I mean, yeah, the cleanup guys, everybody. I mean, there was a big family there. And there's a lot of people that got jobs and careers that started off doing just, you know, helping clean the lot. 
That's that's huge. And I got to admit, that's why this is so important for me, because this is full circle. This is three generations of the music scene that doesn't in all these other documentaries never gets talked about, at least in my knowledge. But then again, you know, I'm kind of a, a jaded one because I had to hide from stalkers and, you know, you're still in hiding. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's true. Well, that's that's. Uh, you, got, you guys have said it all. This is what we got. Soma Live on uh, Union and Metro Street. This podcast was recorded at SGM Studio, the home of Sleeping Giant Music. It was also mixed and mastered by our friends at distinctmastering.com. Music provided by Break Anchor. Please like us, follow us, subscribe to us, find us. Thank you. <laughs>